2: If you can't be yourself at home, where else are you playing small? If you're letting your neighbor, your mom, or that voice in your head influence your home and your style, where else is that playing out? For me, it's been a place of self-expression, self-discovery.
1: Welcome to Being Home with Hunker, a podcast where we explore the idea of home, not just as a place where you live, but as an expression of your identity. I'm your host, Lori Gunning Grossman, Editorial Director at Hunker. Today on the show, we have Rachel Moriarty, CEO and Principal Designer of Rachel Moriarty Interiors. Rachel is a designer who loves to celebrate color in her work and her personal style. They go hand in hand. She's an example of what finding joy through your work looks like. Her style is colorfully coastal, she's based out of San Diego, and as she says, this either magnetizes people to her or repels them, and that's a good thing. She describes herself as an introvert in extrovert's clothing, and has had a career path where every job along the way, including time in banking, photo styling, and print advertising, prepared her for the work she does now as an interior designer. Rachel also shares how she prepares herself daily to tap into her creativity, and how she works with her ADHD to get into that creative space. As she says, the more fun she has, the better it gets. The better her projects get, and the better her clients get. If you want to smile today, then listen to this podcast just to hear her infectious laugh. I dare you not to feel inspired after hearing this conversation. So, let's welcome our guest, Rachel Moriarty. I am thrilled to talk with you. Thank you for taking the time today. Thank you. Yes. Yes, let's do it. I have to say, I love your Instagram page. It is so full of color and life and vibrancy. And... This is your jam, isn't
2: it? Color is my jam. Absolutely. Color and pattern. Yeah. I wear it. I design it. (laughs) I design it, you know, with it. I don't design it yet. I'm not there yet.
1: But yeah, I just, I love it. So here's my question for you then to start. You have multicultural roots. Mm -hmm. I think I read Mexican, Native American, and Filipina. Filipina. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. So tell me about your family and your roots and your childhood and how you feel that that influences you as a designer. Yeah. Well, you know,
2: it's so funny because it's interesting what has happened in the last couple of years. I didn't think it was important to share my multicultural roots with people, but an interesting thing happened during COVID. Remember there was that movement in the design industry where it was like, share the mic. Mm -hmm. and um, somebody asked if I would participate in it for the design industry and I was like yes and of course and I thought I would be sharing my platform with a black designer when I got paired I was paired as the black designer and I had a white counterpart and I was like wait what oh god (laughs) I didn't realize because I didn't share what my ethnicity was that people were making assumptions. It was just so funny. And my best friend's black. And some people were like, well, it's because your best friend's black. So I thought you were. And I didn't, you know what I mean? And so it was a really interesting thing. So I thought, I need to represent what I actually am. Like, this is so important to me. Mm -hmm. So, and it does influence my design. I'm 10 minutes north of the Mexican border. Mm -hmm. um, And my in-laws live right in Rosarito Beach, right on the ocean. And so it's a huge, you know, the culture and especially the color. I mean, Mexicans are not afraid of color. Yeah. Yeah. In their food and their, you know, they just like have this lively colorful life mm-hmm. and lifestyle. And so um I thought it was really really important to share that on my Instagram. So thank you for mentioning that.
1: Yes, of course. And so when you were growing up, is that what you saw in your childhood home was there a lot of color, was there a lot of pattern, design, what was modeled for you? You know, not
2: really. So on the Mexican side of my family, they grew up in agricultural California, the San Joaquin Valley, they were fruit pickers. And my grandfather came down here for he worked in the aeronautical industry, which is what brought him to San Diego. So we didn't grow up in like fancy homes, you know, Yeah, what influenced me, though, was traveling really our fiestas you know that's kind of where you see the color and in the
1: clothing but in our house not necessarily okay did you get into design as a young girl were you you know making your room look a special way were you sewing curtains were you doing any of those things where you you had that inkling of design I'm like
2: check check <laughs> <laughs> All of the above. I learned to sew when I was, you know, because we came from really kind of a poor family, we sewed. We got pajamas that were sewn for us at Christmas, Mm. and we got to pick out our flannels that we wanted, you know, and all of that. We were all excited about it. I learned to sew because it was modeled for me from my grandmother to my mother, and I learned to sew at 10. And so I started thrifting at 12, and I was always um, at least tailoring stuff for myself, not necessarily making but when i got older and i had my first son he's 21 now Mm -hmm. i opened a boutique called posies and i did a whole line of like nursery and clothes and, and i sewed all of the items myself out of vintage or vintage inspired fabrics from the 1940s wow so i've always been really um Crafty, I guess, yeah, and um, yes, my mom was huge on self-expression and letting me self-express, and I still run into people today that are like, I remember you had this black room or you had this dark green room, you know it was in the eighties,
1: yeah. and
2: so you know people remember that because parents I guess didn't let them do that,
1: yeah, I and do you feel that you having the freedom of that creativity that your mom gave to you? really just was like planting the seed for... Who you've become?
2: Oh, for sure. I and my mom was like the OG DIYer. I mean, I learned to hang wallpaper with her and we installed backsplash together. We still paint our own projects. You know, I work with paint contractors on design projects, but we love to do our own like I'll help you paint this week if you help me paint next week. Oh, you know, and yeah. we it's a way we connect and it's very kind of meditational for us and I'm the roller and she's the cutter, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, we what was the question
1: first <laughs> of all this is really cute you live near your mom yes and you guys still do painting projects together
2: yes she was so inspirational to me I mean I just remember installing like bohemian grass cloth but my grandmother on my on my father's side was an antique dealer so we had these really precious antiques it, it was like the OG high low mix mm. and so you know I've never been like a person that does style you know a certain yeah. style I've always loved that old new High, low, just comfortable living spaces.
1: Yeah. So you bring that into your work now when you're working with people, working with clients, the high, low.
2: Yeah, I still do. In fact, I love to kind of start with any collections that they have. A lot of my clients are, you know, big travelers. Mm. So we kind of start from there and create an experience.
1: Yeah. You know, I thought I heard you say something where you've helped people in the past style their spaces. And mm-hmm. you would say to them, just pull out your collections, as you had just mentioned, your favorite things, and you would help them restyle their spaces without them having to buy anything new at all and it would look like a brand new space? Yeah.
2: That's how I started my business. Back in the early 2000s, I was a huge HGTV fanatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was when there was shows like freestyle, design on a dime, decorating scents. And it was all about like repurposing restyling, reusing, upcycling, you know, all of that. And that's exactly how I started. Mm. I would just go in. And, you know, a lot of times people don't have the right furniture in the right place. Um, You know, it's a lot to do with how you place things and then curate things. And they, they're really precious about stuff. I would always find art wrapped in craft paper, you know, stacked in closets or all this beautiful, like pottery and ceramics in cabinets. And i would be like, what, what, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I'm like shopping the house and rehanging art. I always had to rehang the art. The art was never hung right. And it would literally look like a model home when I was done. People would like die. But then it was like, as I did that, it was like, well, let's, you know, maybe we can, sometimes I would steal from another room to pull one look together and then there would be gaps in the other room. So then, you know, and that's kind of how things started for me.
1: Oh my God. It's so cool. You know, I love that you're saying this because I've been looking at my living room recently and thinking to myself, what can I do differently in here? you know, we've lived with it a certain way for a couple of years and now. So how do you have the eye for that? How do you know where to start? If someone like me or someone listening wanted to, say, shop their house and restyle it, what are some tips or how do you help people get started with that?
2: Yeah. So really what it is, is kind of every room shape has a certain way it should be laid out. Mm -hmm. I mean, just in general, you know, if you have like a long, thin room, you kind of have to meander it, um, Mm. you know, so that you can flow through it. Or if it's square, you know, there's certain ways. So what I'll do is go in and kind of large pieces first, clear the room, Mm. and then I would just stage in other areas like all of the plants here and all of your candles here and all of your textiles here and you know and then basically kind of set up a shop in the house and then kind of layer back in and then it's a very edited there's a lot of stuff left Mm. you know so are we going to donate this I also a lot of people have books in bookshelves and I love to bring the books out and you know it helps with you know the different heights of things and it just I don't know just
1: gives it such a warm feeling. Do you have rules of thumb, like say with a coffee table or bookshelves or mantles? Speaking of giving things some height.
2: You know, for me, I think really, I really don't. I'm such a rebel even with myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always challenging everything. Yeah. But in general, I think like if you're starting in a bookshelf, one thing I've always done for years and years and years and still do it is I always start up here on the upper left and move, you know, over to the right and then zigzag
1: down and kind of like, you know, with my features. Yeah. Getting back to how you said you at one point you had a shop. Yes. Where you were selling the clothing you were making You've had work as a stylist, as you were just saying. Yes. I also understand that you've worked as a banker. Yes. You've worked in print advertising. You've had many interesting... Like a cat. Nine lives. I love it. Many lives. Yeah. (laughs) So your journey here as an interior designer has not been linear. It's been a bit of a zigzag. It has
2: been, but what's so weird is... I teach a class called visibility for creatives and so I'm always explaining my journey. And to me, I've always thought it was this weird zigzagging thing, but when I talk to designers that have been especially that have been in the business for a really long time, they're like, "Oh, it makes sense to me." You know, yeah. and it's it's really funny because here in 2022, it makes a whole lot of sense <laughs> because you need to be your own brand. You need to be the face. Of, I like I need all of those skills that I had, you know, as far as art direction, I was a prop stylist, personal style, everything, marketing, Yeah, all of that. And I did eight years in banking. I was a private banker that helped me work with um, high net worth individuals. Mm. It really helped me break into the luxury because a lot of designers have trouble getting up into that luxury, mm. if they're not comfortable talking about money and you know large amounts of money, um, and and working with that client, it takes a different service level. Yeah, because they can literally hire anybody in the world. right? And so that really, really helped propel me once I committed to getting into the design industry.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you about the connection. I know I said zigzag and I do feel like every step of our journey does have meaning and does have connection. And I think it's fun to look back and see, oh, I was doing this and then it led to this. And
2: I always felt like I wasn't there yet. Like I always knew I didn't feel quite right in every, all of those roles. Mm -hmm. You know, I always knew like, "Eh, it's not going to be fashion.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Like, even Mm -hmm. though it felt great, it was like, oh, you know, then I bought my first house and then it was like, okay, now I'm into the home thing, you know? So it was whatever I was interested in. And I, and even now that I'm in an industry, I love I love the business of design. I love marketing. I love pulling back all of that. You know, I was 15 years in print, advertising, and
1: creative services, so I love bringing that back into Mm. the business. So when you work on the marketing part of it, I'm assuming you have people that you work with, too, that help you, or? No. It's just little old me. Oh, my goodness. So you're just posting on Instagram and putting yourself out there and? Yeah. Finding your way on your own,
2: yeah, and it's something that really brings me joy. Yes. It's a part of the business that I really love, and I have so much fun in my DMs. Like, I almost was late to this call because I was on my Instagram stories and talking to people, and they were asking me questions. I'm like, let me do a quick live in my, you know, it's it's like a playground in my DMs. It's so much
1: fun. That's so cool. You know, one of the things I do experience in looking at you and your work and and on Instagram is that you. Do seem like you're having fun having fun <laughs> right having fun designing spaces this
2: is the thing the more fun i have the better it gets the better my clients get the better my projects get it's funny i think people can sniff out whether you're like really have a joy for what you're doing and you know i don't just say i'm passionate about design you see it mm-hmm. you see me at the end of a project go in with my photographer and i I kind of embody the project. I go in and embody it and hop into that scene, really, you know? And so I'm actually still working with my photographer that I worked with in 1995 in print and fashion. You know, it's so fun because we've had this long relationship and uh, we just have a blast. Oh, that's
1: so neat. What do you think it is, if you could distill it down to, say, one thing that lights you up the most about your work? and about design. What's it tapping into?
2: You know, it's so interesting. It's like almost, I get into this zone and I almost picture this like hole in the top of my head (laughs) and I open it up to like receive. And when you look at my portfolio, every project is so different. You know, some things come on my feed and I'm like, oh, that's so-and-so designer because it's this aesthetic that's very similar, color palettes or texture or something like that. And you always know. Mm. And and their clients go to them and say, I want you to design that for me, that almost that same thing. So it's a very similar look over and over, which is an awesome, awesome way to, to design mm. too. But I sort of like to be the vessel I, I try to get into the mindset of my client, but also, like if we had a baby,
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: What, what would that look like? And so it's fun for me to sort of embody and the ideation really is the funnest part for me because what I've noticed working with my clients is we'll have these discovery meetings at the beginning of a project and it's always that thing they say right at the end of I'm getting ready to leave and they're like, wouldn't it be cool if we did a space kitchen? And I'm like, that's what you meant to say an hour ago. That's where we're going, you know? And so it's always
1: like that whole process I love. Oh, that is so cool. Do you, as you said, like you have this space in your brain to open up and receive. Yes. Do you do things like a daily ritual, a meditation, anything that gets you prepared to tap in? Or is this just a natural thing for you?
2: So <laughs> I've been sharing on my Instagram stories recently. I have ADHD. Mm-hmm. So The most important thing for me to do is to dump out what is in my brain Mm -hmm. because I cannot hold a lot in there. So it's either brain dumping, you know, through journaling. I use a lot of visual boards for me. The way my brain works is very visual. And so I do a lot of visual task keeping and designers have been just like, what? Because I was showing the process of it. So I do that. So it's a lot of brain dumping. And then... I set a vibe in my house. Mm. Like my house has to be a vibe. So it's got a fire on all senses. I have to have the music. You know, when you walk into, let's say Nordstrom, I don't know if they still do that. I don't really shop in department stores anymore. Mm-hmm. But there was always that man playing on the piano mm-hmm. and it was a vibe. And then you could smell the perfume. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the kind of thing I needed to do at my own house. So it's like fluffing the pillows and making Making the bed and cleaning the counters. And that I do very slowly and intentionally. Hmm. I can't sit there and meditate, you know, I have monkey brain, but it's almost like a moving meditation for me. And once the scene and the vibe is set, I'm ready to work. And I can work really fast after that because I have to, because my brain will be
1: like, what's next? (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so cool. And it's so cool that you know yourself enough to know what works for you. Yes. The fluffing of the pillows and the vibe and the intention behind that. And then you can just go. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: So you do work with other designers, what's called the visibility? Tell me what it's called. Again. Yes. Visibility for creatives. It's a
2: course. So I used to have a podcast several years ago called Design and Style. Mm-hmm. And I have a Facebook group of, I think I've got about 2000 interior designers in there. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, I had been coaching when I first started out, when I left banking and came into design, that was about 2015. And what I wasn't getting from my coaches was them. Like they were giving me all the strategies, but I wanted more them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I was like, where are you at? Like, I wanted to see your face. I wanted to see the person, you know, there's the saying like you don't hire businesses, you hire people, right? And so we came on this word visibility, me and this one other designer that we were kind of in the same phase of growing our business. And we would have these coffee chats and talk all the time. And one day we were like, let's just turn on the, you know, microphone and do a podcast. So we did about 100 episodes. So I've been talking for years about visibility. I call it bizability, B-I-Z ability, mm. because people don't like the word visibility. They think it's like, oh, I'm bragging or showing off or this or that. There's a lot of thought attached to that. But when I say visibility, visibility for your business then, you know, it's like a baby, right? We have to advocate for it. We have to go out. We have to support it.
1: It needs us to go out, you know? And, yes. it, and then it comes this whole other thing. I'm imagining that there are some people listening to the podcast right now who have the idea that they want to be a designer. Yeah. Especially with everything going on in the world, a lot of people have been thinking about the next thing they want to do, what brings them joy, And I'm sure that there are things that scare people. Number one, the visibility, like you said, and also taking the leap. Mm. So you have taken a leap in your career from a couple different things. It sounds like you've had a belief in yourself along the way. Would you say that that's true?
2: Yeah. You know, I don't think it was a big leap. I think it was a lot of little bunny hops. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Because it's embarrassing, but this is like my sixth career. Uh (laughs) So like I started in visual merchandising and retailing, and then prop styling, and then advertising, and then, uh, you know, as a boutique owner. But I also worked in the furniture industry, I worked for Ethan Allen and Bassett on their design teams. And so, you know, it all kind of adds up. I'm not just going from not being in the design industry to jumping into people's home, taking their Mm -hmm. money (laughs) and trying to figure it out on the way. I already knew, just especially from being in the furniture industry, I would say, you know, get into some area of the design industry, maybe selling window treatments, specializing in something, and then you can add on. But you really do need to learn the back end because design is just the smallest part of it. It's really what juices us up, but it's the implementation and the tracking and can you deliver on your promise?
1: Yeah. Well, that's a big one. So in your home, how do you set up your home in a way that expresses your identity, your story? If someone were to walk in your home and they looked around, how would someone know this is where you live and would describe the person who lived there? I think
2: people describe me as a maximalist. Mm. Um, I describe myself as a maximalist, but I think people think of this like hoarder. I'm an edited maximalist. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly editing so that it doesn't get, you know, gross. You know, my house, I like to say, is full of who we've loved. You know, the dining table that's in front of me, I'm in my dining room right now, is a Duncan Fife table that belonged to my husband's grandmother. And, you know, we made it our own. I painted it black. I added sarin and chairs to it, uh-huh. you know, so it doesn't yeah. look like that traditional look. You come in and it's just a mix. Um, I have this huge gallery wall. My husband and I are deadheads. Oh. We travel like the world to see deading. We'll go down to Mexico to the Yucatan Peninsula and see four concerts <laughs> there. We we usually like plan our summer travel around where their shows are. Okay. I say we're deadheads with 401ks. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh. Rachel, I would not have thought this. I have to say, right? I love I this. Know, yes. I know. I <laughs> know.
2: And so we buy posters wherever we go. Mm. And they're really like limited works of art, actually. Mm-hmm. They're not inexpensive. And so when you walk into my house, over my sofa is this huge gallery wall. And we rotate. We have more than I have the wall space for. So we always rotate our collection. So you would know that we were (laughs) deadheads.
1: I love this. I love it. Yes. Did you meet at a concert?
2: No, we actually met on the set of a fashion shoot. He was a photo assistant and I was a photo stylist.
1: Okay. And it just so happened you both are deadheads.
2: Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that crazy? Yes. I know there's a lot, but they need to come out. Like, I'm going to co-emcee the um, Design Influencers Conference. Okay. And Adam Jabko, who runs it, is also a deadhead. <laughs> and that's how I ended up being the co-emcee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Because we connected in that way over the years, which is hilarious. So That is so cool. Yeah. I have to say I've never been to a
1: Deadhead concert. Oh, you have to. You're in L.A., right? Yes. They play at the bowl every fall. They do. So you've got to okay. go. So people would know you're Deadheads, of course. Yes. I love this. An edited maximalist. Edited maximalist.
2: You know, I think there's just something kind of not necessarily playful, but that we don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah, There's a lot of kind of kitschy little elements. You know, people like to say it's like a feast for your eyes when you come into my mm. house. And, and like I said, because I engage all the senses, they're always like, it's just, a feeling, you know, you enter my world. And so I always think of my home as a lab of self expression, you know, and it's like always look different. It's this living thing. We like to flea market a lot Mm. to an estate sale. And so it's kind
1: of this constant moving thing. Yeah. So how do you know what to look for when you're at an estate sale or a flea market? Like, how do you know what is it either valuable or is right? I mean, I guess maybe it just depends on what resonates with you or do you have an eye for certain things? Well, my grandmother was an antique dealer. So Mm -hmm. she, I remember her being a little girl, like I can just visualize
2: now her turning teacups upside down and showing me the markings of things. But that's not really what I collect. I think it is more like an eye or something I'm liking at the moment because my tastes change. What doesn't change in my home are the heirlooms.
1: Mm.
2: We'll always have this table that I was just talking about. You know, we have the buffet with it. We have a connection to some of our family pieces. Yes. And I always just change what's around it, but I'll always incorporate those. Yeah. So is that
1: what you hold as most valuable in your home? Would you say it's the heirlooms?
2: Definitely. That and I have these sarin in chairs that I'm sitting in right now Mm -hmm. that I am like obsessed with. I would, yeah, I would like throw them out the window (laughs) as as I'm grabbing my daughter in one arm, you know. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
1: So imagine the people who find you to work with you are people who love color. Yes. I mean, I guess they would have to, huh, if they're searching you out? You're going to see all over my Instagram
2: Mm -hmm. and all over my website. Mm -hmm. I like to use a term called Colorfully Coastal. Mm Mm-hmm. For me, it magnetizes my people to me and it also (laughs) repels others because the word color, people are so either afraid of it or embrace it. And um, I use it right on the first page, the homepage of my website, because if you don't like color, you need not apply.
1: Right, right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) We're just not going to buy. It's so smart. It's so funny because we live in a coastal town. And so Mm. when you think of coastal design, you do think of a certain color palette, right? You think mm-hmm. of the sand and you think of the sky and you know, that kind of tonal textured yeah, look, right? And I love it. I can't do it. It's just really hard for me. And so if I find somebody if they somehow reach out to me anyway, I have lots of designers who design beautifully like mm. that. So
1: Yeah. Yeah. I encourage everyone who's listening to go look at your website and your Instagram for all the color lovers. The color lovers. The color lovers to go. (laughs) And also, just like, as I'm looking at you right now, and people can also see images of you on your Instagram, like your earrings. And is this a dress you're wearing? Kimonos. Oh my, yes.
2: I'm, so these are agave. What? I had a client and her husband is a distiller. So they're always in tequila, Mexico. Yeah. And she brings these agave earrings back for me. And I have them in like 10 colors. They're beautiful. And I collect kimonos. Okay. So you'll always see me in some flowy kimono
1: or caftan. I love it. Not everyone can pull it off. It looks so good. Thank you. I would love They look. came in handy during the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> you can't really tell the extra 10 pounds either. <laughs> so they're comfortable for you. Would we ever find you walking around in like gray sweatpants or is that just a no?
2: No. It's so funny. I tried. I tried. <laughs> At Christmas, my mom gave me this like set of pajamas and it was like a gray sweatshirt and these like gray and white snowflake bottoms. Mm. And and I was like, Mom, I can't. Like, yeah, yeah. it's got to kind of flow through the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> behind me,
1: uh-huh.
2: <laughs> my sleeves have to catch on something, you know, as I'm passing by it.
1: <laughs> oh my god, I love it. I tried. <laughs> so when you're home and you're not working, say on a weekend, mm-hmm. how do you like to spend your time there? What What fills you up? Mm. Like in, like actually in the home, in the home, or it could be in your neighborhood. It could be in your community.
2: Yeah, I'm a real introvert. Like Mm. I I always say I'm an introvert in extrovert's clothing. Mm. I'm a people watcher. And so I love to be out where people are not necessarily talking or engaging with them. Uh But really like soaking in that vibe too, you know. So you'll often find me at like a co-op consignment area or a cafe where you can be on the sidewalk where there's, you know, some stuff to watch. Something like that. Always just kind of hunting,
1: treasure hunting a lot. Yeah. And you like to do the people watching. I love to people watching. Because why? What does that like do for you? Does it help with your work or is it just fun to take in? I feel like it must. Mm-hmm. I feel like it must because it's interesting.
2: Part of my process of when I'm designing a space is I actually sit and picture that client and go through a day in their life mm-hmm. and... Mm-hmm. I play it like a movie in my head and I I do feel I heard you uh an interview with you where I was like, oh my gosh, I do the exact same thing where I walk neighborhoods at dusk I've done it forever and they're, just as people are turning on their lights, but they haven't closed their curtains yet mm-hmm. And i'm just fascinated with what people are doing inside their home And so I have always done that.
1: I love that so much. I'm just really snoopy <laughs> (laughs)
2: Maybe that's why I'm a designer. I just want to
1: snoop in people's homes. (laughs) I mean, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. As we're rounding up this conversation... Oh, no! It went so fast. I know, I know. (laughs) First of all, I have to say, you're so delightful. Aw, thank you. You know what I'm responding to, Rachel, with you is... You know, we can step outside of our homes and there's a lot going on and say there's not a whole lot of color going on sometimes unless we seek it out. And I feel like you are, this is my experience, are a joy seeker. The color that you express through your clothes and your designs is inherent in who you are and it's so infectious And I want everyone to go find you and see you and hear you. It's true. It's lovely. You know, we just, we need more of this. We need more of this, this joy and the joy I'm sure that you're bringing into people's homes where we spend so much of our time. It's so important. I love what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. Oh my gosh. That's so sweet. So this podcast is called Being Home with Hunker. And I love to ask, what does being home mean to you? Yeah, so I think I mentioned it a little early. It's it's for me being home is like
2: being in my lab, you know, whether it's a decorating lab or um, stylish surroundings. I think people don't realize how influential they are to you to go out and be like a better version of you. If you can't be yourself at home, where else are you playing small? If you're letting your neighbor, your mom, or that voice in your head influence your home and your style, where else is that playing out? So for me, it's always been a place of self-expression, self-discovery. It just gives me the foundation. I'm, again, an introvert in extrovert clothing. I'm talking to you very exuberantly because I'm home. I'm a homebody. I'm comfortable. Mm. I'm a little more awkward when I go out, (laughs) you know? And it actually is like, it's my bat cave. And so that's, you know, it gives me kind of that, um, confidence and courage to go out and be the person that I have to be as the founder and head and you know head visibility person of, of my business mm-hmm. um principal designer and then it's also where I come back and I can repose and get re-energized so it's a it's a lot
1: I ask a lot of my house <laughs> I love it it sounds like it's serving you well yes I partner with it it's my partner <laughs> oh, I love it
2: Oh, thank you. You're a delight. So are you. I'm so happy. I mean, we just connected like within this last week and I've totally love your podcast. Love it. So excited
1: to be here. You know, you and I have never talked before Ever. and talking to you yeah. has been so lovely and fun and I can't wait Aww. to keep following you and keeping in touch with you. Yes, through whatever means and Exactly. Um, all the means. All the means. My DM party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will come visit you in your DMs for sure. Exactly.
0: <laughs> To my TM lounge.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. So happy to be
2: here. Thank you. And I'll see you at the Hollywood Bowl next Dead Show. I think so. It's happening. Let's do it. We're manifesting that. That's happening. It's time for me. Yes. It's time for me to do it. Oh, yeah. You'll be a new woman.
1: (laughs) I love it. To learn more about Rachel, find her on Instagram at Rachel Moriarty Interiors. Or check out her website, RachelMinteriors.com, where you can learn more about her design services And if you're an interior designer, definitely check out her visibility coaching courses where she guides people through the process of digital strategy and positioning. Be sure to visit our show notes for direct links to where you can discover everything that's going on with Rachel. Thank you for listening to Being Home with Hunker. For more information about this episode or others, visit hunker.com forward slash podcast. And if you don't already, please follow our show. If you like what you hear, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review and share it with your friends. It really does help. Being Home with Hunker is produced by me, Lori Gunning Grossman. Eve Epstein is our executive producer. The podcast is recorded and mixed at Night Shift Audio. Theme music by Jonathan Grossman. Special thanks to our team at Hunker, senior designer, Maury Men, and director of audience development, Gina Goff. Hunker's mission is to inspire and empower you to create a space that expresses who you are, shows off your unique style, and makes your life happier and more productive.